Greetings, everyone. Thank you for joining us this evening for turning a moment into a movement. I am Jay Love, and I just want to thank you guys for joining us here tonight on this International Wrongful Conviction Day 2023. This is our third uh, wrongful conviction um, edition. And so, um, I mean, we just come here to bring awareness around about wrongful convictions. Um, the reason why we started this whole journey is because of my son, Gerard, who was wrongfully convicted of a crime that he didn't do, had no knowledge of, and he went to prison for that crime. And because of that, um, we birthed this movement called Turning a Moment into a Movement, where we come here and talk about that wrongful convictions, injustice. And so I'm grateful for another year of doing this. Uh, as everyone mostly noted, um, that five of us, Gerard passed away last year and um, the movement continues. I'm sure, I'm positive that um, he will want me to continue to stand up for the innocent and bring these stories and bring this awareness. And so that's what we're doing today. Um, when we first started this um, journey on wrongful convictions, um, part of it was I talked to uh, my legislators. And so um, this was something uh, my congressperson, Rashida Talese, sent to us uh, a few years ago when we first started this journey. And I always want to play it on wrongful conviction day just to remind you, uh, remind us. So I'm going to put that on right now. Hi, everyone. It's Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib. I want to take a moment and thank Mother Janice and so many others that have been sharing their incredible stories of wrongful conviction and the emotional toll it has had on their families. I want to also take a moment in understanding that right now our systems are broken, that systemic racism is not only in our corrections and judicial system, but it's also impacting the economic divide and the broken systems of healthcare, education, and so much more. So I wanna take a moment and thank all of you for your incredibly important work. And thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you for sharing and fighting back against wrongful convictions. We need your voice and we need to make sure that we put a human face again to these broken systems and truly end mass incarceration and truly end systemic racism in our country. So thank you, Mother Janice, for leading the way. And thank you all to the mothers and to the uncles and sons and daughters and sisters that I've heard from. Thank you again for inspiring me to work even harder. Yeah, so I thank you, uh, Rashida Tlaib, and thank you for all the, the mothers and the families and everyone, the um, advocates, and all of those uh, that are participating in the movement to bring awareness of wrongful convictions. Um, we don't want any innocent people in prison. And so the more we talk about it, the more we bring up these conversations and bring um, high, highlight other people, we are bringing awareness and things change. Um, definitely um, the more we push. So thank you everyone. So I couldn't do this these this platform by myself. I think actually this is our third anniversary because we started on wrong for conviction then. So um, 
I couldn't do this by myself. It takes a team to pull this all together. So I'm going to bring them on and introduce themselves. And then we're going to get into uh, why we're here today. So first, I'm going to bring on Rabatia. Hey, Rabatia. You're muted, Rabatia. Yes, I am. I said, wow, it's been three years. Yes, Rabatia. Uh, and it's, oh, wow. I, I just praise God for you and for your stick to itness. And for all of us who have come together, uh, I'm, I'm looking at all these wonderful, beautiful faces and those who join in and have I stood by. And, and on this wrongful conviction day, I, I believe we were in uh, where we um, at one of the colleges was that at um, was it? Oh, no. One of the campus, the, one of the campuses we were at, <laughs> been at many places. And um, to see how many families are affected by wrongful conviction, how many people, how many loved ones. And we all came together and we have been coming together and this platform keeps us coming together. Not only talking about what has happened, but more than that, how do we become or be triumphant how can we be triumphant and you know each time i'm reminded um the scripture that i read that says god always causes us to triumph and sometimes that triumph is action and it's mm -hmm. us acting and coming together and i'm so pleased to to do that um again my name is uh tia taylor and i am now the one of the co-directors for Empowered Living Human Services. I have the Choice Zone that is um, I founded in order to help people reach their goals and dreams. But more than that, every day, all day, I stand as an advocate for justice. I'm also on the Michigan Coalition for Human Rights, which I'm very excited about. We have our annual dinner coming up. Got to put put in a plug there. Uh, yeah. Allie, <laughs> our own Allie is receiving yes. an award. Yes, yes. receiving an award. I got it. Yeah. Yes. And um, so I'm excited about that. I'm definitely always excited to be a part of my spiritual community, Transforming Love community. And love is the answer. Love is the key to everything we do. And we got to love each other through it. Um, yeah. And we have to keep loving in the face of adver adversity. And I see that with everybody who we've come in contact with, Jay. With you, I'm telling you, you you're definitely one of my sheroes. And um, many others who have stood by you and are still out here advocating for what is right yeah yes thank you Ravitia. thank you um you're right so many we can say i mean um that's still with me and still standing you know i send love to them because it's um a journey and it's not an easy easy fight so we're sending yeah. love to you to you guys and today Okay, so I see. Hey, Trisha. 
Oh my goodness. Hello, my sisters. I am so happy and excited to see you both and to be here with you. Three years. I can't, you know what? I'm still remembering the day that Nick was like, Trisha, meet my sister Jay. Jay, meet my sister Trisha. I mean, and from that divine connection, it has right. been to us continuing to stand alongside each other and battling um, on the field for, for justice for so many things. But right here, right now, today, we're talking about the innocent. We're talking about freeing the innocent. We're talking about wrongful conviction day all around the globe where we uplift and bring awareness on this day, particularly, but we right. must move to the point where we understand that we must battle and fight and bring awareness to wrongful convictions every day. Every day. Because while it's a once a year thing, families are battling every day. Those that are behind bars are battling every day. Advocates are battling every day on the front lines to bring about justice, to bring about peace, to rectify, to exonerate, to bring home those who are wrongly incarcerated. But for us, it's much more than just bringing people home, right? It's mm -hmm. talking about why they're there. How do they keep getting in prison for wrongful convictions? How can we put an end to it? We must end immunity so that we can hold individuals accountable for these wrongful convictions so that they can pay for what they've done to destroy individuals' lives, to destroy families, and ultimately destroy communities. Because when you take yeah. one of ours, it affects us all. Mm -hmm. so I'm grateful mm -hmm. to be here. I'm grateful for Jay. I'm grateful for Reverend Tia, um, uh, uh, my big brother, Attorney Hugo Mack, um, mm -hmm. and all the guests today. But for everyone that continues to stand alongside each other, much love, much grace, much peace to us all as we move forward in this fight. Yes. Oh, say my name, did I? I'm Trisha yeah. <laughs> from Survivor Speak. Um, I love to call myself a social justice architect because we are continuing to build what we want to see and what we want this thing to look like. It's on us all. It's on us all to build that thing up. And I'm excited to do it alongside you all. Yes. Thank you, Trisha. I miss you. <laughs> I miss you too. Thank you. <laughs> Tony Mac, the Napster. Here, here, and reporting for duty. Okay, here we are. Here we are. So glad to see my sisters. I've missed y'all. I've missed you all. I've missed you all. You know, and and three years. You know, you know, J Love. I might be like the Apostle Paul. I might not have been with y'all right at the very beginning, but here, here, I'm with y'all now. Okay, so I'm with y'all. With y'all now, and and proud to proud to be here, um, and and thanking God for the opportunity to be here. You know, yeah. uh, Attorney Hugo J. Mack. Um, there's forty six thousand lawyers in the state of Michigan. I'm probably the only one that is not coming to you parachuting from heaven in their own eyes. I'm the <laughs> one coming to you being brought up from hell through the blood of Jesus Christ. You understand? You see, who I unashamedly profess. You see, so. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and like I tell people all the time, you know, I'm the only attorney I know in southeastern Michigan. My office hours are from like 8 p.m. to 6 a.m. Okay, so, 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 
<laughs> so, you know, Jay Love, you know, and I'm I'm gonna get into this again because y'all know what's coming. Y'all know what's coming. So, 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 so. Right, we missed it. We've been missing it. <laughs> right. So I'm I'm a, I'm getting this again. But you know, when I look at wrongful conviction day and what it means, and I listen to my sister Tashe, what she has said, you know, I often draw my strength from the Bible. And I remember Esther 414. Uh, a woman, and she was Queen Esther, you know, she could have just sat back. She was the queen, keep her mouth shut. In fact, it was against the law for her to talk to the king without the king's permission. So the penalty for a queen talking to the king without his permission is death. The penalty mm -hmm. is death. So here she is sitting back comfortable. And it took her uncle Mordecai to say, you know what? You can sit back, and I'm talking to people right there now. Listen, help me, Holy Spirit. You can sit back, sitting up there looking calm, and you know people listen to us. And it ain't my family in there. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not worried about it. Yeah, I know people are wrongfully convicted. Yeah, but it ain't my problem. Look, I got to take care of my own people. Well, God is telling them just like Mordecai told Esther. Now you can sit back and see something wrong, and you know it's wrong. You know it's wrong. And you're going to say you ain't going to get involved in it because not your fight. And what Esther was made clear by her uncle, then God is going to send somebody else, you know, mm -hmm. but, but the shame and disgrace of it is going to be on you. And so he looked at that woman and told her, perhaps you were born for a time such as this. And that touched that woman's heart. So I'm telling all my brothers and sisters out there who's sitting on the fence, you know, don't want to, I'm scared the police might get me, you know, whatever. Perhaps you were born for a time such as this. Come on mm -hmm. in and join this fight because God is watching. So I'm proud to be here. And like I said, um, a lot of my clients don't drive fancy car over bridges. They live in cardboard boxes under bridges, unfortunately, you know, but they're people, they're God's people. And 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 there go I. It's not, it's not just for the grace of God, there go I. For me, with my life experiences, there go I. <laughs> you know, so, so you know, we're there. And so I'm I'm very, very glad and thankful, J Love, for you and for my sister Trisha, uh, my colleague, my sister Reverend Tia, and and uh, you know, you know, our brother Gerard, which I know will be joining us when he uh when he can, you know, and stuff. So we uh we're ready to proceed. But J Love, Reverend Tia, Trisha, mm. as you all know. <laughs> If you find yourself on Trouble Boulevard, push, pull, drag that hoopity to Max Street. Max Street. Park in my virtual underground garage. And when there, dial the Freedom Line. 734-239-118. The Freedom Line. 734-239-118. The Freedom Line. 734 239-3118. is your hookup. HMACLaw.com is your hookup. HMACLaw.com is your hookup. And Jay Love, in honor of our new season, I'd like you to allow me and excuse me while I do the boogaloo to my new theme song, Return <laughs> of the Mac. And reintroducing for some and brand new for others, our new reiteration of the new song, The Janice.
And Reverend Tia, we ain't forgot about you. We ain't forgot about you. The great Santa coming back from Pulp Fiction, the Batman. <laughs> so, J-Love, I'm proud to say for year number three, it's Return of the Mac, and I'm proud to be here and be a part of this whole thing. So, yes. <laughs> I want to tell you this. I want to tell you this, J-Love. <laughs> I know the letters haven't stopped over the hiatus. I know I heard <laughs> notes all on your car and all that kind of stuff. One, you kicked me off the show. Well, look here. I got a message for all them haters out there. I'm going to tell y'all like my late cousin Bernie. I ain't scared of y'all. I ain't scared of y'all. Okay, so I want you to understand that. So I'm not worried about it. And you know, J-Love, part of the thing is some of the people in my own community that I know that are haters coming up smiling all in my face. I know who they are. I know who they are, you know, all the time wanting to take my place. Ain't nothing but some damn backstabbers. And see, J Love, and, and, and the thing that gets me so bad about this, it's not just me, uh, Trisha. Now, there's one cat, he keep coming to my house again and again and again. Now, I don't even be home, Trisha, and he just keep on coming. You know, I don't know what I need to do to get on the right track. I didn't get some of these people all these knives out my damn back. So y'all work <laughs> with me on that. Work with me on that. So I want you to know something right now. You know, J Love. If you're thinking about doing the unthinkable, please don't kick me off the show. Please. You know what, J-Love? J-Love, if you ain't thinking about that, I just want to quote Morris Day at the time. Ain't nothing worse than rejection, J-Love. I'd be a little bad if you just slap my face. So, so I'm with you on this. And so I want you to know I love you. I'm with you. We're in this thing together. And by the way, J-Love, when they ask you, did Hugo Mac really sell them things? Did he write that down? Damn right I did. I fully yeah. endorse all this. I fully endorse all this. And Jay Love, in conclusion, this announcement unashamedly brought to you by Dr. Hugo J. Mack Esquire, the one true king of Russia, Scotland, and Lower Harlem. I love you. <laughs> you know what, Terry Matt? Thank you for lighting up the space. <laughs> Thank you. So, Dwayne, uh, since we've been gone, he was exonerated. So we're so happy for Dwayne, and I'm sure he's living life. Uh, he probably will be back, but um, uh, when he, you know, but right now Dwayne's living. He is free and he is living life, and we want to send Dwayne and his family love. Um, and we will be talking to him soon. Dwayne, the other Gerard, Dwayne Gerard. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yes. So. We're going to bring on our guests, one of our guests. She's not really a guest. She is family. And um, we love her because um, she brings good uh, information to the table all the time. And she has a story that she has written that is wow. So we're going to bring her on. Hello, Miss Diane. Hello, everyone. Good to be on here and thank you for inviting me tonight and to see everybody from the panel of the J Love Show. Very <laughs> glad to see you all. Still in the struggle. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Thank yes. you for joining us. Okay, you're most welcome. Yes, introduce <clears throat> yourself and tell everybody what it is that you're doing, then we're gonna bring on Marvina. Okay. Well, I'm <clears throat> The editor of the Voice of Detroit at voiceofdetroit.net, which we've been publishing for 
13 years now, in the last couple of years, we've mainly been devoted to issues relating to the prisons, to wrongful convictions and to other issues in the prisons. And uh, recently, one the stories that I'm working on right now, there's a story that's been published on voicedetroit.net. You, uh, you can go to it uh, if you... The headline is hundreds of men serving life sentences on the credibil credibility of corrupt Detroit police detectives. Yes, that's it there. And uh, what this is, it's an article actually by a lifer named Mark McLeod in the Chippewa facility uh, up north, who's been there a very long time. The pictures on the article show he, he's taken it on himself to investigate the police and prosecutors that are behind the convictions of the people that have been exonerated. And he's been interviewing people that he's in contact with at Chippewa and other prisons to find out if the same police and prosecutors were also involved in their cases. And he's coming up with many. The uh, article on Voice of Detroit uh, just shows 20 right now at the top, the photos that I took from the MDOC website. And but there's uh, many more. Uh, Willie Merriweather up there. Mark McLeod is in the corner, the upper left-hand corner. Willie Merriweather is next to him. They're from the uh, late '80s. They've been in prison since the late '80s. Uh, others on here have been in prison. Uh, Kelly Nobles is on there. He's been in prison. His mother is Marilyn uh, Jordan the head of the Detroit Wrongful Conviction Task Force. And uh, she's been cam campaigning for years uh, about the, well, it's actually the Detroit C C Crime Lab Task Force. After the crime lab was shut down, she uh, developed a group to protest, to demand that Kim Worthy investigate all the people who were wrongfully convicted because of the crime lab situation, which is about 1,500 people and at least they're currently still in prison. Kim Worthy refused to do that. She only investigated people between who were convicted between 2003 and 2008. There's very many more that are in prison now because of crime lab people like David Pouch, uh, Walter Steiwitz, uh, there's, that are, are uh, talked about in this article and the police that are talked about in this article. So uh, what, I'm doing now, I'm basically working with Mark on this. He's uh, doing the interviewing inside the prisons and I'm researching the exonerees cases at the same time to find out what police officers and prosecutors and judges were involved in the convictions because it's not just a case of prosecuting those which they do need to be prosecuted. It's also a case of investigating what other cases they were involved in. Because as Mark says in the article, you can't, he can't believe that uh, the, the police involved and the prosecutors involved only did it in one case, that it was mm -hmm. multiple, multiple cases. In fact, there's hundreds and likely thousands of people still in MDOC because of these same bad players. And uh, they're part of a whole system, really. I just recently discovered on um, when I was researching to find out the list of the exonerees, that actually 
there's been 86 people exonerated, according to the National Registry of Exonerations, just from Wayne County since 1989. So it's not just been since the Kim, Kim Worthy set up her Conviction Integrity Unit in 2017. There's 86 people who have been officially exonerated, according to the National Registry of Exonerations. And where is the investigation going on into why and who else was affected? What else those cops did that were responsible mm -hmm. for their wrongful convictions? And that investigation has not happened in Wayne County. It's happened in uh, places like uh, Chicago, uh, Cook County there, uh, New York, Baltimore, other counties, other cities across the country. The prosecutors are investigating. Uh, the background of uh, to see what other cases involved. And a lot of the people have been able to be released because of that. But that's not happening here. That needs to change. And uh, it's, it's not just um, getting rid of the immunity. It would be investigating those cases and see what was done wrong. There's police officers that I've been uh, researching about that uh, have beaten 16-year-old girls, children, to get them to testify falsely, locked them in closets until they urinated on themselves. Beating the, the beatings that went on in the Willie Merriweather case are another example. Uh, Ronald Sanders is one of the police officers involved with that, and they're all listed on the article on Willie Merriweather. So this is like a joint project, basically, that the people inside the prisons can get involved in and start uh, demanding that something be done about their cases, that something be done to release them from their wrongful convictions. So, and uh, if you just, uh, I'll have the, the, the follow-up story about the 86 exonerees soon. That's what I'm working on now. Oh, wow. I'm, that, oh. So much to say. I'm going to bring in Marvina also because I want everyone to know, like when we're talking about wrongful convictions, we're from Michigan. So we're talk a lot about Michigan, but it happens all over the United States. It's been going on. Like you just said, Diane Cook County, that's Illinois, um, New York, and all over the place that uh, people are fighting for wrongful convictions. But I want to bring on our other guests. Marvina Hayes. Hello, Marvina. Hello, everyone. Thank you. Hi, your mic is a little low. Can you hear me now? Oh, yeah, I hear you now. Yes. Welcome to Turning a Moment into a Movement. Marvina, I had I didn't know about your brother. Of course, I saw a TikTok about him. I'm gonna show these videos in a minute, but I saw these videos and I'm like, I got to find out who this is. And that's when I came across you, but you've been doing this for a long time as well. Yes. Um, can you introduce yourself and tell us about you and about your brother, Marvin? Okay. So as you guys know, my name is Marvina Haynes. I'm the founder of Minnesota wrongfully convicted judicial reform. Um, my brother, Marvin Haynes, has been wrongfully incarcerated for the last 19 years. Minneapolis police stole him from my family in 2004. Um, and so 
because that happened, a lot of like separation and things like that happened with my family. And it just caused more um, trauma to not only my family, but the community, um, the folks um, who love and care for all of us. Um, and so I started advocating for my brother. Um, my brother has been pro proclaiming his innocence this whole time when they sentenced him his last words to the judge and to the jury was that they all were going to burn in hell because god know that he didn't commit this crime um and so it's been a long 19 years for us um when i started actually so when it first all happened we didn't actually understand what that meant because when you think about the prison system and what happened in our community with amy Cromershaw, she came around and collected a lot of our um, friends cousins and folks from the community and sentenced them to a large amount of time and also sentenced um young youth to life terms for crimes that they did not commit. Um, so when I first started advocating for my brother, we felt that it it was something that just had happened to us. But as we started to look and learn, this happens all the time, every day. They take folks and throw them in jail for crimes that they did not commit. And when you're there, it takes forever for them to overturn this um, conviction. Here in Minneapolis, we have something that's called a time bar. So after two years of your sentence, if the judge feel that you should have knew or um, knew about any of the evidence, they don't let you do appeals and stuff. So they block you right there in court. A lot of times folks work their way to the top off the backs of our um, black and brown children um, and they just continue to rise and sentence our kids away from their families forever. That hurts the family because most of these men or women who sent to prison are uncles, cousins, aunties, nieces, mothers, um, and they never have an opportunity to provide for their family. My brother makes 17 cents an hour in prison. Mm -hmm. um, and so also I'm running for city council in Minneapolis of Ward 4 um, because of all of these issues that has been happening and the way that um, the Department of Justice came in and did a dissent degree for Minneapolis um, and they found that Minneapolis police and the city authorities members has been um, harming and hurting black folks, Native Americans, and people with a disability um, by like um, racial discriminations. Um, and so it's really big what's happening in Minneapolis. And I really appreciate you guys bringing light around this and also so many of the other folks. Like I have a guy, Philip Vance, who I support through my organization. He's also innocent. Kowalski, he's also innocent. And I'm talking about people who never was at the crime scene. Um, there may be like things like DNA that didn't match these folks. And they're still sitting in jail right now, even with the evidence showing that they did not commit these crimes. Yes, uh, I wanna, 
show um, the video of, as a matter of fact, Marvin was, what, 16 years old. And uh, I want to show this first video, uh, you guys. I think this is the interrogation. Marvin Haynes was framed for a murder 18 years ago. He was only 16 years old when the police came and took him from his home. They interrogated him for over two and a half hours, all while he kept asking for his mom and to stop talking. But young Marvin didn't know he had to say lawyer, not mom, to have them stop. Marvin has always maintained his innocence. He did not match the two witness descriptions of having a crew cut. Clearly, you can see he had a four-inch afro. The DNA also excluded Marvin. Please sign Marvin's petition at justiceformarvinhaines16.com. Oh, man, I don't want really to hear no more of this shit, man. Get this guy a hand up. The guy came off in the back and shared it and shot him. So we hear mom kind of talking about mom, man. Your mom's out of home. You're a man, you gotta take responsibility. Man, I ain't doing nothing, man. Y'all better get the fuck out of my face with this, man. Marvin, we've been treating you with respect. Man, I don't care, man. Get out of here, then. Fuck it, then. You know, I don't want to talk okay. no more, man. Fuck me. So you want to let everybody else talk for you? All these people out there? All these people? Yeah, man, get out of here, man. I don't want to hear that shit, dude. Hey, you know what, Marvin? I know you didn't mean for it to happen. Man, you did that, man. What the fuck you Marvin. Man, y'all trying to say it. Marvin. Minneapolis police took 16-year-old Marvin away from his family and hid him away for... Um, Diane... When we talk, uh, you see the, the juveniles. Mm -hmm. This was a thing. What year was this, um, Marvina? That was in 2004. And every time I watch that Pacific piece, it just brings tears to my eyes because my brother begged for them to bring in an attorney at one point. You could even hear the investigator say, well, we know you asked for an attorney, but here's what we're going to do for you, Marvin. Scoot on over there. And it just brings tears to my eyes to see my brother in there. And especially at the end when he said, I just want my mom. Mm -hmm. But the, to answer the question, it was in 2004. 2004. So we, I mean, and, and Detroit, they had that bad here, Diane. Well, the, yeah, the situation with juvenile lifers in particular in Michigan Michigan is, has the highest rate or the second highest rate of juvenile lifers in the country. And uh, after the U.S. Supreme Court outlawed mandatory juvenile life without parole, uh, the Wayne County prosecutor, Kim Worthy, campaigned actually before that, when families were campaigning to get rid of juvenile life without parole, before the Supreme Court weighed in, Kim Worthy went to the legislature. I was working for the Michigan Citizen then and covered it and uh, spoke against ending juvenile life without parole several times. And since uh, the uh, juvenile lifers have been getting released as a result of the Supreme Court ruling, she has done everything she could to block releases. There's Wayne County is the highest number of juvenile lifers in the state. 99% of them are young black. Well, they're no longer young. They've been in prison so long, but uh, they were juveniles. They were children when they were sent to die in prison. And this is something that needs sorely to be addressed. 
I've been covering if if you put juvenile lifers in the search engine for Voice of Detroit, you'll see all sorts of stories about that issue. Yes. So Marvina, um, so uh, I know when me and you talked and we had our initial conversation about you coming on, we was discussing how, you know, this these wrongful convictions. I mean, even I can, you know, as a mother just watching that. You know how it devastates families you know we talk about the person that's convicted but the family also is greatly devastated by these wrongful convictions i mean you were telling me about you know things that happen within your families and i know many other families you know these things just tear people apart but none of that is a knowledge uh, when they do these exonerations or whatever, like, you know, you were saying earlier, Diane, you know, there's no investigation, there's no nothing. I mean, here in Wayne County, uh, the Michigan period, you know, they just free people and then there's no accountability. But when we're talking about this devastation to families, you know, it really tear families apart. Yes, and like with my mom, it causes families to have health conditions. It causes families to separate. My family sidegraded to Minneapolis for a better life because my grandparents picked cotton. Um, and so when we got here, we were only looking to become um, citizens. I mean, sorry, not citizens, residents of Minneapolis to have a better future what my mom came here was for to have a better future for her kids and soon as things seemed like it was looking better my dad ended up um starting a small business because my dad who also was through um segregation and stuff um had a harder time reading but he was always good with his hands he had started a business as soon as we were able to start to build any type of foundational structure that got ripped, ripped right up from up under our feet, which caused my parents to separate, which causes the kids. So it's like a domino effect on every person involved. Yeah. Um, and as far as I've been advocating for Marvin, prior to me advocating for him, I had a um, boutique, but I had to give, I had to sacrifice that. God moved in my heart and said, Marvina, this is the most important thing. This is your brother that's suffering. I didn't understand what that meant. And as I was working his Facebook page, God was talking to me in my ear and he said, you're not going to get your brother out behind this keyboard. And I didn't understand what that meant. And then I seen a protest for Martha Luther King and I made a little sign and I was like, I'm going up there. It's for Martha Luther King. Got to be about this. I'm just showing up. I got to get my brother's story out. And I showed up and this lady named Monique Dottent seeing my brother um, poster and she was like, sister, she asked me three times what happened. And I was like, no, this is, she thought he was a famous person. I said, no, this happened right in North Minneapolis. My brother is innocent. And she pulled me through this force of energy and passed me the mic. And ever since she passed me that mic, not only have I been standing up for my family, I've been standing up for other families. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Cause we all in this fight together, you know, um, it's hard to do it alone. We need each other. 
Go ahead, Reverend Even with us all being in the fight together, sometimes we can still feel so alone. And so that's why we have to, like, support each other, not only on this podcast, after this podcast, uplift each other, reach out to each other, and just love on one another because we should all be entitled to... um, the Constitution should fit all people, not just right. Some. Right, exactly. Reverend I, you know, I just I'm, I marvel at the work, um, Marvina, that you you've done, and uh, just everyone here. Um, and my goodness, speaking and putting out um, all the information in Detroit. Um, paper after paper, um, every time more information comes up, that's what it's going to take. And Diane, I really appreciate um, the voice of Detroit. Um, Thank you. Trisha, Hugo, Mack. Uh, and, you know, what everyone is saying right now, and I think it's very important, and, and that is not only coming together, but knowing what you're, you're up against. Um, that clip really affected me just seeing that even though we've seen clips before i'm not used to them yet i i can't get used to them i can't i can't stomach it and i can't it, it's just it, it hurts every time i see it um and i, I think and i and i look at them like that's somebody's son could have been my son it, but it, it's somebody's son and he asked for an attorney and, and the guy still didn't so how do you how do you regulate somebody's consciousness toward hate and discrimination? Mm-hmm. How how do we do that? You know, uh and and like Trisha was saying, immunity, they cannot be immune anymore. They can't they can't they, we don't have maybe there's some type of injection that we can give them uh yeah <laughs> can make them love a little more but um I, I think that people have to be aware very much aware of the rights that we do have what we can say what we should say what can get them off of you right away we can't talk enough about it um, and, and recently, um, I had an opportunity close up to me that um, the person was getting ready to go to court without a lawyer. And that's the first thing. The first thing, and I can't stress this enough, young people you need to know who the lawyer is who is the family lawyer and if you don't have one get one no one should go into a courtroom without a lawyer because you you're going in vulnerable and open and and you you've got to say you've got a lawyer get i need to talk with my lawyer i don't even if you don't know who your lawyer is if you hear the sound of my voice and you get picked up and the police are interrogating you say right away i need to talk to my lawyer and then get one but but we, we should have one 
because the first thing is first, and that's because a lot of us go in there vulnerable, thinking that I didn't do anything wrong, so I'm okay. And that, that is not the case. Everybody mm -hmm. is not okay just because you didn't do it. Yeah. But yeah. a lot of times with these families, what I see is that they families have no resources to have yeah. a family lawyer. And then when we look, use these public defenders, they work for, they get paid by the same entity that's going to sentence you and give you life in, in jail. So how do you think, how do you, how, what's your, um, what's the best way for a family who don't have any resources, like in Hennepin County, we're the fifth um, state, the fifth worst place for a black person to live. And so right. how do we afford a lawyer? Yeah, yeah. and you're right. You're you know, right. I, I just want to say real quick on that, what you just said about the public defenders. I see someone said public pretenders. Um, I won't say what county, but we're talking about, and, and I won't say that anybody has done anything unethical, right? I won't say that, even though we don't know, right? But you have a public defense, somebody that's running the public defender's office and their brother's a judge, right? Like, you see what I'm saying? All these connections. You got the public defender's office right in the same office with the prosecutor's office. I'm talking about, I sat in on a case one time. The public defender got up on behalf of their client, which just happened to be my friend. I was there for something totally different. And the judge says, well, he's not here. The public defender got up and said, yeah, you know, I caught him several times this morning. I don't know where he is, your honor. Just go ahead and issue a bench warrant. I stepped out and called my friend. He said, Trisha, this is the first time my phone rang this morning. So now he's able to call the public defender's office. I'm able to call them, let them know what I seen, what I said. Then he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'll get that drop. No, let's deal with the fact that you lied to a judge about somebody that you're supposed to be protecting. So how can the people that are supposed to be protecting you turn around and become the predator? So where is the justice in that? And, and it, people can't afford paid lawyers. She just said it. Mm -mm. Nope. We can't afford paid lawyers. Now, I, there is one you might be able to afford. So mm. it's Mac Law. It's a hookup. See, you need to hook up. I was gonna say it's the hookup. See, because see, lawyers like that, there are good lawyers out here that will work with people. Not all lawyers um are just so bloodthirsty and money hungry. And I believe as a coalition, we need to find out who those lawyers are so that we can start to present some of these lawyers to these families, right? So they ain't gotta run around looking only to find that there is nobody when we can help bring these resources in. There's so much that we can do, but we just gotta do it. And like um, like uh, Miss Diane said, it's so much more than just, yeah, do we need to end immunity? Yes, we do, because that's how you hold them accountable. But we can't just keep letting people out. We gotta stop. Your brother, uh, it breaks my heart. He asked for a lawyer. He asked for his mama. He should be let out right now just based on that alone. 
on that fact alone, no matter what, he should be let out right now. So like you said, we got to band together from state to state on these yes, things. Yes. We got to band together state to state because it looks the same. We celebrate wrongful conviction day all across the globe. So that's letting mm -hmm. us know that we need to stand together. So when I get off here, I'm going to be inviting you to the summit on the 28th of October. Because <laughs> we got to stand together. Yeah, we do. Because it's, yeah. it's happening so much and it's happening everywhere. And the stories are almost the same. The story. So it's a culture of policing. It's the culture of how they're prosecuting. It's, it's, it's in their culture and it's in their training and so it's embedded and so we have to in order to to make a change we have to come together not only in memphis minnesota minneapolis illinois new york we have to figure out how we can all join together and make this a one big gigantic movement um go ahead diane and then attorney matt no i wasn't waiting Oh, okay. Okay. Maybe somebody else. Attorney yeah, I was gonna. I was. Oh. I, but I was gonna say. I think Attorney Mac has some duplicates out there, like Trisha was saying. So I think um, connecting to the people like Attorney Mac. So we just gotta. We gotta get on the bullhorn now and call them out towards us because there are people like attorney mac in other states now he's a gem he is a gem and once you find a beautiful jewel you want to hold on to it we just got to mm -hmm. find the other ones out there and i'm sure you're going to find that too and we may even come up with something to bring it to make a list bring them together so that people can know how and i think that's what you're saying marvina is so important where do we go from here? Where do we yeah. go from here? And, and I believe that is going to be key, is not only who's speaking out as far as advocacy, but who goes into the courtroom as an advocate also. Yeah. Go ahead, Tony Mack. Well, first of all, God bless y'all. I've been sitting here just listening and everything y'all are saying is true. You know, I mean, and let me tell you, as a person who for 40 years has fought in and through that system, you know, the, the, the problem is, is that without somebody that is going to love the principle of law and fairness for everybody, going to love that more than they love their own security, okay? Until you have people that are going to be in that position. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just using me as an example because I know more about myself than anybody else. I made a decision a long time ago that my heart, through the God I serve in Jesus Christ, will not let me bow my knee to a rogue police officer. I've had judges excoriate me, excoriate me. There was a man named uh, Bronson, Judge Bronson, uh, 14th District Court, dismissed the jury on me three times, three times, okay? You know, uh, Ross Campbell excoriated me all the way down the line, you know, and so because I simply would not stand by and see a police officer come in, the same officer, by the way, with a pattern of testimony, 
a pattern of testimony and bring that up and had to battle prosecutors, you know, who wanted to defend those officers, you know? And so, and part of the problem is though, is that fighting by yourself can be a lonely thing, especially when the system, the structure of the system is against you. And I'm telling you, for all aspiring lawyers out there who want to be lawyers, be careful what you wish for, because the minute you get that bar license, you're going to be indoctrinated like you've never seen in your life before. You're going to be indoctrinated with all kinds of pressure to conform. Okay. And so I guess the the thing of it is for me, if 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 I'm unique, first of all, praise God and Jesus Christ for that. But if I'm unique, I reach a point in my life, I just don't give a damn. What I'm saying is, is that you know, you know, I'm I'm not going to be the lawyer that has the multi-million dollar clients. I never was. I never was. So, so it don't make me no difference. Look here. I'll keep driving that Ford Fusion. I'm not worried about that Cadillac Escalade. The lawyers, I ain't worrying about it. I'm proud to say I go to Goodwill, Salvation Army, get stuff right off the rack. Still good. Still good. I, <laughs> yeah. I do. I do all them things. You know, when God has given me a house, uh, you know, uh, a, a mate, uh, my health, mm -hmm. you know, a man or woman lose their health, they lose everything, by the way. Um, yeah. You know, a, a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. So for me, I guess y'all, I'm just letting y'all know, if this is my last show because they finally catch me, well, y'all put a little <laughs> plaque up somewhere for me. Okay, so, 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 so what I'm saying is you've got to get to a point where you're not afraid of these people anymore, lawyers. Right. You know, all you young, and particularly right. young black lawyers, uh, black law students, yeah. get to a point where you're mm -hmm. not afraid of them anymore because they don't give you the breath you breathe. God does that. Thank God you. does that. And there's nothing sacred mm -hmm. about somebody because they're wearing a black robe. It, it, it's nothing sacred mm -hmm. about them. That man or woman go to the bathroom just like you or I do anybody else. Ain't nothing sacred about them people. So He's anyway, so so I, I love y'all. And this sister here from, from Minnesota, look, sister, my heart is out to you. My heart is out. Yes. Seeing that video with your brother breaks my heart. It breaks yeah. my yeah. heart. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. so, but we're not going to stop because I don't, sister, I don't know if you heard what I said earlier, quoting Esther 414. Perhaps you, mm -hmm. sister, you were born for a time such as this, and it's clear that yeah. you were. So you know, mm -hmm. you know, we're not stopping. You know, and, mm -hmm. and God bless you, Reverend Tia. You know, um, yeah. uh, couldn't have read, couldn't have read, I couldn't have written a better advertisement myself. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, Marvina. Um, so, uh, with. Uh, your brother, this is what inspired you to create the uh, wrongful conviction um, group that you form and running for uh, city council. <laughs> yes, and I also um, was inspired by the Oh, I don't know if you guys heard. Move up, Marvina. Yeah, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Sorry about that. I don't know if you guys heard about the water crisis that's happening in um, oh, yeah, 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 Minnesota yeah. prison, Stillwater, <laughs> where they are allowing the inmates there to drink brown water. Um, whoa, whoa. And so whoa. our organization stood up for like all of the men in the prison. Um, and how it all happened was 
the families that I support, they called and they said that they couldn't go back into their cells anymore because it was a heat wave going on and they couldn't continue to drink that brown water. A lot of times the guys take the water from the ice machine and they filter it out with their socks. So they use like their socks and their shirts to collect like the lead and the brown contaminations that's coming from the water. The water still has a color to it, but it isn't as brown as when it first comes out. Um, and so when my family that I support took a stand to peaceful protests inside of Stillwater, I knew it was only right for me to organize around that and protest outside of Stillwater. Um, we were able to get them to start giving the inmates bottled waters. They came back with uh, um, water um, results that said the water was good. We did have a guy who got released and brung water out. They immediately took him back in custody and he hasn't been able to speak with his family because he took water out. If the water is um, good for the inmates to drink, we're not sure of why they are um, wrongfully incarcerating that man with no charges and holding him. And so that's a whole nother big um, situation that our organization has stood up for. I'm also a civil rights activist. And so anything that's not um, right for our folks, the sentence of slavery, um, black people in particular, they're gonna hear my voice about that. We wanna have the same opportunity as everyone else. And for years we have been left behind. Yeah, I saw that um, if you guys go to Marvina's page on Facebook, she has a post about that. That water looks terrible. And when I was listening to, uh, you know, reading about it, uh, it reminded me of Flint and what's going on in Flint and with the water. And that water looks so disgusting. And it's just to hear that people have to use their socks in their shirts to filter the water and you would think it when you're in the custody of the state <laughs> the state's supposed to make sure that you're taken care of right supposedly uh so how do they have to why would they even have to filter why would they even be okay to use your sock and your shirt to filter your water it's insane Yes, and because Minneapolis has been ran like a poxy scandal, everybody's connected within um, what we have is the DFL party here. And so, like, they run the media, they run the courts, they run all of this, all of the entities to cover up what's actually happening. Um, I have one guy who I'm supporting. The police officer who investigate him is the prosecutor brother which is the judge brother the same how miss denise was explaining it but how can you get um proper process due process when everybody's in connected and they're all family right. these are the type of issues that we're facing right here in minneapolis i don't know if you guys heard of mayan burrell but they had to release him three years ago it was the same prosecutor that my brother had the same um Attorney Amy Cromershaw, I mean district district attorney Amy Cromershaw, and she caused so much harm to our community. I don't understand why she's still sitting in the Senate. She tried to run for to become the president. I was about to say, did she run for president? 
but it got blocked because the because Mayan Burrell's story came out. Hmm. So now is she what is she doing now to <laughs> now that is what is she doing now to you know change uh, what she has implemented you know she has she never doing... took accountability for any of her actions I have spoken with the governor who told me how sorry he was for my family but he couldn't let my brother out right now I have spoken with um, Tim Watts the the um, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have spoken with Keith Allison, which is the um, attorney general who told me he's sorry for my family, but he can't let my brother out. The governor knows the attorney. The new attorney um, is Mary Minority. She knows everybody knows. And they continue to let these guys who's wrongfully incarcerated just sit there. Mm hmm. A lot of them are time barred. So after two years, so if I get sentenced to jail for a life and I'm 16, first I have to wrap my mind around that time, which sometimes take longer than two years. But if I don't get right into jail and understand what they have done to me and I let the two years go past, there's no way for me to bring up an appeal because the court blocks it and say, well, you should have knew about that, but I'm not the lawyer. Uh, <coughs> go ahead, Robert Tia. Yeah, that that is uh it's it's devastating, but I'm I'm glad how um how she made it made it so real um so people can see in real time. You know, we're talking not long ago that a lot of times they talk about statistics and they talk about numbers and they'll talk about um, monies and how much the cost um, to provide for people who have um, encountered incarceration, but they never put a face to it and make it real, make it a real person. Um, so behind every dollar and every statistic is an actual person. There's a body. It's it's a person. It's real. It's not. It's it's flesh and blood. And um, I think a lot of times um, people miss it, and that's why there's often not a lot done. I'm and I I'm just after she kept saying for each person that she talked with, they said. We feel bad about, you know, that you and your family have to go through this, but he can't come out right. Away. The answer is that. How right. is that acceptable? And why can't he come home if he's innocent? Right. Exactly. But I want to let you guys know, I did continue to work for my brother. And we have a court date October 9th at 9 a.m. It's for post-conviction court. Is an evidentiary hearing. Um, and also we are engaging, we have engaged in a lawsuit with Hennepin County and Minneapolis police because they're denying him the rest of his records. And so we're going to put out the link for that. If you guys have time, please jump on that Zoom. We want the world to know um, exactly what happened to Marvin Haynes at the age of 16. Yes. Oh, yes. 
Marvina, yeah, if you can put put the information in the private chat, and then I will uh, put it in our <coughs> in our chat. Um. So, um, Attorney Matt, I'm going to go back to you, and then Trisha. Well, see, and then and then part of it is just like you say about the about the culture, you know, and see, and that's why diversity is a two edged sword, okay. It, mm -hmm. it 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 really is. And and really, um, the longer I am in the profession that God has let me stay in for these 40 years, uh, to me, it, it it isn't so much diversity of skin color, it is diversity of thought. And mm -hmm. so what I'm saying is for me, you know, when I see as I've seen police officers and through my own penitentiary experience, black MDOC uh officers okay there's such a need to and I, I like i said black people you know we've had a hell of a mojo run on us you know really we've had a hell of a mojo we are the greatest americans in the history of america we will mm -hmm. sacrifice more than anybody else you know we will change ourselves inside out to try to look like everybody else you know you heard my diatribe sometime back about bluebirds and crows uh reverence and them y'all remember that y'all remember mm -hmm. that and so what I'm saying is, what I found out is, with that culture, sometimes it isn't about having have, having a black face as a as a police officer, because what that is is a blue police officer with a black skin is is is, is what that is. So right. you know, I in in my evolution on this matter, I want to know the person's heart and how they approach that job. Okay. Um, and 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 I of course I want to see more black faces only with the belief and hope that that brings a diversity of thought and culture. But you know we got to be we got to be very honest about indoctrination. You know, and just like in the military, you know anybody you notice in the military they've been through that basic training. They are taught how to be a soldier, and a soldier comes down to one thing: the ability to kill, the ability to kill the enemy. So. You know, um, I just think it's going to take people like you great people and the sister here from, you know, uh, uh, Minneapolis to keep on talking because you know what? Dr. King was right. We got to try to appeal and make these people understand the moral imperative of the evil they support. You know, mm -hmm. it wasn't until we had those uh, police dogs and fire hoses put on TV. Remember that? Those y'all old enough like me to remember that? on TV, without them TVs showing all that, a lot of America, white America, they was blind to all that. They, they, mm -hmm. they if, if they didn't see that on TV, oh, they're not putting no police dogs on nobody. Some, some radical is making that up. But when they saw that happen, then Dr. King started, you know, the, the moral imperative. So we're going to keep speaking the moral imperative because God is with us, you know? Right. And, and remember, remember, Jesus only had 12 people with him and one of them was a traitor. Okay, so uh, you know we we not we we not gonna stop. Yeah, and then another thing, you know, these uh, the way they train and the way they're talking, and even um, you know when Mar Marvina was talking about um, the senator, they see they don't see humans, mm -hmm. so they they see criminals. And so that's how they're treating people as criminals, even from the time to arrest all the way through. Once you get involved in it, 
they're not looking at you as a human. Because if you had a, a heart or you was a human, there's no way you would treat a 16-year-old kid that way. No way. So it's a lot of work that we have to do because the system is so embedded in the criminalization of people and not for the humanity of people. Go ahead, Trisha. I heard this pastor yesterday and he preached a message and the title of the message was called The Need for an Activist Church. And he broke that thing down. And even though for, for even if people don't believe there are so many things in that message that could apply to us. And one of the things that he said was that we've traded comfort. We've, we've traded in uh, justice for comfort. Mm -hmm. We've traded in justice for comfort. He said, <laughs> he said people won't to praise, but they don't want to protest. People want to praise, but they don't want to march on the front lines. I mean, he broke that thing down for the need for us to stand. Because see, this is the only reason why these things can continue to be perpetuated is because we do not all stand on one accord to bring about true change the way that we need to. But when we stand and we push back together, there's nothing that cannot be accomplished, right? And I tell people all the time, it's what you think. I hear people say all the time, oh, we fighting for change and I ain't going to see it in this lifetime. Speak for yourself, right? <laughs> speak for yourself because what I speak, I believe it shall come to pass. What I speak and what I put into action for activating the God inside of me, not praying to the God in the clear blue skies, you know, you know that white Jesus I'll be praying to, but that's a whole other story. But I'm just saying, you know, we have got to get busy. We can't just keep praying. Oh, I'm just fasting and praying. And well, you go right ahead. You keep on a fasting and a praying, right? And when you decide, when your knees start to hurt and you decide you want to get up, come holler at your girl. So we can work alongside each other. Because see, it ain't no one-man warrior going in this either. Right? Because you got some folks that get so frustrated, they just say to hell with everything and break away from everybody and try to fight this fight on your own. Well, you can't do that either. We got to come together. We got to do it now. There are too many. And you heard Miss Diane. She just said 100 men. But there was, she also said 1,500 cases. Right? But there are so many more than that. And I just want to say one last thing. I heard somebody bring up the Constitution. And I heard somebody talk about systemic racism. The Constitution, for anybody that don't know it, it don't apply to us. It wasn't made for us. I can't, I, it irks me when I hear politicians say, we need to get back to the original plan of our forefathers. When I hear him say that, I understand. I had to side eye him because the original plan of our forefathers was to keep us in chains. And we are still in chains. And so, what we need to do is to battle these systems. 
hold these systems accountable and do it together. But you got to understand, you say, oh, the system is broken. No, it's not. The system is meant to do what it's doing right now. They were nothing but a bunch of slave catchers then, and they still catching slaves right now in their mind. And, and, and if you don't believe that it, the Constitution wasn't made for us, I dare you to go back to the 1800s, somewhere around 1863, I want to say, or 1865, when they ratified that we were, because they said we was, was, was it three-fifths less than a person? They said we was three-fifths less than a person. So they don't look at us and see humanity. They don't look at those that are in trouble because see, it's all kind of folks that are incarcerated that are Arabic, Caucasian. But see, we are 14% of the earth population, but we are the highest percentage of the Michigan Department of Corrections and every other Department of Corrections across the United States of America. So I wear a shirt all the time that says getting real about race. Understand what it is. Understand that we got to fight these systemic measures. And when you fight for black folks, just know everybody else going to get some too. Because we the lowest man on the totem pole. Right? So if they give us something, you can trust and believe everybody else going to walk the line and get something too. Because that's how we are as a people. We want to see everybody win. We want to see everybody set free. But it's up to me and it's up to you to raise your voice, open your mouth, get off your seat of do nothing and put your hand to the plow fighting for justice for those who are innocent. Yes. And I want to bring what you said, Trisha. I want to bring that back around because so many things have happened to pe Black people. And it was, we didn't say nothing. Nobody didn't do anything. And so now it's affecting everybody. It's affecting everybody of all colors, of all races. We're all being, you know. And so when you don't say nothing and you don't do nothing, it just spreads. And so we have to, this is, this is the reason why we need to come together. It's, 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 it's getting bigger than just one person. It's just getting bigger than one. It's affecting us all. And so the longer that we continue to be separated, as long as we keep on, you know, not thinking it can happen to you. I didn't think it could happen to me. I didn't even, I wasn't, it wasn't even on my radar when it happened to us. So it can happen to anybody. We, we see that. We see that. And people have been fighting. And it's not an easy fight. And it's not a quick fight. Marvina been fighting 19 years. You know, we have people who come home after 20, 25, 30, 40, 50, almost 50 years. Dwayne, 30 years. So I'm telling you guys, it's, it's so, if we don't come together, then we're we, we're gonna fall apart. Sam said it all the time, and I you know I repeat it. When we organize, we win. We come together, we win. We got to come together. We got to figure out how to make this one sound, one band. <laughs> so, Revatia, did I get you yet? I am. Look, I'm ready now. Listen. My sister Trisha done pumped us all up the 28th. I, I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be that's, that's gonna be woo, woo. 
because it is time to come together. And when you know in advance that you've already won, and this is what I need us to get. You know, when I was talking to my, the one great attorney that I do know, <laughs> I, I asked him in, in advocating for this young lady, I said, uh, got to he and look he, he give you the truth now if you're not ready for the truth then you're not ready to win because you got to go you got to deal with the truth first and uh, i asked him i said so what do i need to believe for what am i believing for give me the picture what what is the course of action we need to take and and then he gave it to me why so then i can set my face toward that and I can see it and I can feel it. And so what I'm saying is I'm setting my face toward Marvina, your brother, so that we can see it, so that we can feel it, so that we can see people coming together. I'm setting my face toward the victory. We have to see and feel it before it even happens. We have to have that spirit. Like Trisha said, we already won. We're just going through the mechanisms right now, but the winning part is already done. What is going to be magnificent is that we are coming together. I am not going to take and I can allow anybody to say any more ever to me that we can't come together. Well, everybody don't come together. I'm not listening to that anymore. So if you start to just say it to me, I'm going to say stop. I'm going to say hold it. I'm going to say just, mm, just, mm. my mother used to do that to me when she wanted me to shut up before I said something wrong. She just go, mm. that's exactly what I'm going to do. Because this is the time we already won. We that's already right. won already. That's mm -hmm. right. That's right. That's right. Amen. That's right. Yes. That's right. So um, thank you, Reverend Tia. So I want to tell everybody that tonight was run for conviction night. That's why we're on tonight. I, I think Beulah asked. Um, we'll be back on Fridays. Not this Friday because we're here today, but the following Friday, the 13th. And our new time is 830. And so don't forget to join us. We're going to have more guests on from out of state because we need to tell stories for people that's not only here in Michigan, but for other you know, people outside of Michigan. So we can build um, a coalition together. So we're going to be bringing other stories in and other people on so we can start building relationships and so we can make moves all together. So Marvina, before we go, I want to thank you for coming on. I appreciate you and all the work that you're doing, the success with your uh, city council run. Uh, I know you're going to be the next. Yes, it's <laughs> already done. <laughs> Out there, what's that war for, um, Councilwoman? Next time we see, we'll be calling you Councilwoman Marvina. Um, so tell us, um, you know, any last words that you have to um, say and also where we can join to watch um, Marvin's um hearing um, uh, so get, I want to get that information out so I can you know have it to share with others so we can all be watching 
say thank you guys so much from listening to me um, and and sharing this my family's experience. Um, that means the world to me. Um, I don't have the information right now with me for Marvin's Zoom. So we just found out last minute that they moved his court appearance to Zoom. And so um, I will send you that information. Okay. Marvin's has a web page where you can read more information. It's justice for Marvin Haynes 16.com. Um, and then you can read his stuff. He does have the whole interrogation videos there. Um, or you can just Google his name. So we have articles with Stark Tribune, um, Unicorn Riot, WCCO, just to name a few. Um, and then as for me, my organization, again, is Minnesota Wrongfully Convicted Judicial Reform. Um, and I have a web page, too. It's mnwcjr.org. Um, and then my Facebook page, Marvina Haynes. Yes, and I put, um, if you guys, you can go to the Justice for Gerard Movement page and on Facebook, <laughs> links to um, Marvina and also Free Marvin Hayes. I have information there. Also uh, on my personal page, J Love. And there is also the story that Miss Diane, she had to leave us because she became ill, but there's the story that she wrote about um, the 86 men that are wrongfully convicted in Wayne County. And there's going to be a part two to that story. So you guys check that out. We're going to have Miss Diane back to go deeper into that story. Um, before we leave, I want your Shay to come back because I do have the banner <coughs> for... <laughs> now, you know, I always have a banner for you, Trishay. Yes. Um, the summit. Oh my goodness. Um, we are, um, I hate to say excited, but anytime that we can come alongside each other to build um, for justice, it is a blessing and it is an honor. Um, so we're going to be coming together on October the 28th from 12 p.m. to 3 p.m. We'll be at Washtenaw Community College in Ann Arbor. That is 4800 East Huron River Drive in Arbor, Michigan, 48105. If you look down at the bottom here, you can register for the summit um, for guaranteed seating. And um, the QR code, hit the QR code. It'll take you right to the Eventbrite to register, give you a little few more details. Um, once you register, we'll be emailing, keeping in contact with folks to give folks more information. I mean, I just want you to pay attention, to, though, to some of the contributing factors, perjury, false accusation, official misconduct, 60 percent. That means that our prosecutors and our police are not doing what they're supposed to do when it comes to wrongful convictions. 27% mistaken witness ID, 24% false or misleading forensic evidence, 12% false confession. And these were pulled from the National Registry of Exonerations. Um, and these are actually nationwide um, statistics. So we see that we have a problem on our hands. And anytime we have a problem, that means that we have to go 
in the room. We have to come together as one so that we can decide what we need to do about this problem. And we're going to decide that together. Um, again, we believe that immunity must be ended now. And we need to stop and find out some of the reasons why folks are being wrongfully incarcerated and hold folks accountable. So again, please meet us on October the 28th from 12 p.m. to 3 p.m. as we make our way to Washtenaw Community College um, for uh, Survivor Speak Annual Wrongful Conviction Summit. Thank you, Jay. Thank you, Trisha. And Margarina, we definitely would love to have you. So um, I did put my number in the private chat. If you can give me a call, because we would love to feature your brother's story. I really want to share um, that video as well during the summit, because I think it's very important for folks to understand, you know, the ins and outs as to how this happens to our youth, you know, 16 years old. Um, but that's all right, because the seed of the righteous shall be delivered. And your brother is coming home and we're going to celebrate. We're going to do what we need to do um, to, to help hold you up as you are fighting for your brother. Yeah. Thank you so much, sister. I really appreciate that and look forward to me giving you a call. And so we'll be back, you guys, on October the 13th. We're going to be talking about Crystal Clark. And um, I'm going to have her daughter on and her sister. And we're going to talk about when um, Huron Valley. And I'll, hopefully I can have uh, Paula Kinsu on because she is... She is playing a great role in facilitating getting that information out about Crystal Clark. Yes. So, and shout out to Timogen. Yes. 37 years locked down yeah. with all kind of evidence that he is innocent. And and we and Paula is fighting such a courageous fight for her husband, but also to take the time, anytime that you can have your own battle. But in the midst of that battle, still uplift other people. That's the God in you. Yes. That's the heart of humanity in you. And so yes. thank you, Paula, for all that you are doing for your husband, for Crystal, and for everybody else that you are fighting for when it comes to wrongful convictions. My sister, I love you. Yes. So we're going to talk about that in that black mold. Yeah. That's in, that's in the in Huron Valley. And so thank you, guys. Um, I think that's it for tonight. Um, I, I'm a little bit, <laughs> I've been on here for a minute, so uh, I'm a little bit uh, rusty, but I know I'll get back in the groove. But thank Very you guys rusty. for joining us, and we'll see you next week on Turning a Moment into a Movement. We're Bye. back. Bye. Bye. Thank you. <laughs> thank you.